From the Quadesh Family Church, Apostle Joel Obobasa will inspire you with anointed, practical, and down-to-earth Bible-based teachings that will refresh, energize, and motivate you to do your best for God. Join the Apostle now as he ministers the Word of God. Today, I'm just going to share the final chapter on the book, on the book on Davidic success. I, 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 it's a good book. Why don't you clap for the prophet for writing such a beautiful book? I mean, it's a beautiful Bible study of a man who loved God. And I think that if we follow David, God will like us. Yeah, I think if you were God, you would like David. Yes, even just from the things we're studying about him, I think if you were him, you would like him, isn't it? Yes, so it's a blessing, hallelujah. So let's read at least for the last time the verse that gives us the summary of David's life. Okay, let's read that verse and chapter one more time. First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 27. Right, that's the book right there. It's available online. You can get an e-version, just download it. And it's a book you should read from time to time. Just read it again. Amen. Yeah. Right. Um, I pray that we have an opportunity to go through it again. Yeah. Maybe sometime next year. Yeah. Isn't it? We'll just, we'll just go through again just to remind ourselves. Okay. So now, um, First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse um, 27. It says, and at, that, uh, and at the time that he reigned, Oh, sorry. Let's start from 26. 26. Thus, David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. 27. And the time that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years reigned he in Hebron, and 30 and three years reigned he in Jerusalem. Right? And he died in a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon, his son, reigned in his stead. Amen. Amen. So David died as all men do, but in his case, he died in a good old age. Amen. Amen. So I see you living to be a good old age. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. Amen. And he was full of days, riches, and honor. Amen. So may you be full of days, full of riches, 
full of honor. Amen. Amen. Expect that God will bless you in this life. Hallelujah. Expect that you will not leave this world a pauper. Expect that serving the Lord will connect you to the abundance of all things. The Bible says that if we serve the Lord with gladness, his response is to allow us to enjoy an abundance of all things. Do you see what I'm saying? An abundance of all things, not scarcity, not struggles. Do you understand? Yes, you will eat, you will eat and stop eating. Not that you eat and the food stops you from eating. Do you think you know the difference? Do you recognize the difference? Yes, the food stops you from eating or maybe rather the plate stops you from eating because it has nothing more to offer you. It's finished. (laughs) You get it. But you would rather stop eating. You're going to exercise. The fruit of the spirit will kick in. Do you see? And you're going to exercise self-control and temperance and moderation and say, you know what? It's enough. Amen. You, the Bible says that we will eat bread without scarceness. Hallelujah. So it's a promise that God has made to his people. There is no need to bluff with this one. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Yes. Receive it. Yes. You will not struggle to have a car to drive by the grace of God. Hallelujah. You will have a car to drive. Your problem is which one? Yeah. You're going to have a car for every kind of weather. You're going to have a car for every kind of situation. And and every kind of mood. Yeah, because sometimes the mood is such that... You don't want that whole hollow behind you. You get it. So that's the day the minivan doesn't go. (laughs) Do you get it? That's when you get your two-seater, you know, and you and your beloved and uh, your husband and your wife and you're just chilling and just cruising. Amen. It's a blessing. The Bible says he richly gives us all things to enjoy. So... Don't feel guilty when God has blessed you with something. Amen. Let's serve the Lord properly. And the reward is an abundance of all things. He says, you serve the Lord with gladness for the abundance of all things. Hallelujah. If we serve the Lord with gladness, he will cause us to experience abundance. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 47, it says, because, right, let's read from verse 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed. Why? Because thou hearkenest not Unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. So it means disobedience exposes us to curses. Can you see 
curses are coming upon someone because he has not listened to the word of God. Isn't it? Yes. And the curses will come upon thee and they will pursue thee. That means moving does not, or relocating does not escape the curse. Because it's pursuing you. Actually, where you go determines where it goes. <laughs> it becomes like a police chase. <laughs> if you want to see an illustration of this verse, go to YouTube and type police chase. And you'll see how cases are following some. I mean, the police represents trouble and prison, and the guy is going to prison, and everywhere he passes, the prison is following him. Hey, it's not a small thing. Do you see? And the reason is simply because you didn't listen to the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded thee. Verse 46. And they shall be upon thee. The curses, when they catch up with you, then they will sit on you. Do you get it? And they will sit on you to make you a wonder. <laughs> and upon thy seed forever. So the curses will come upon you and your children. And that is the truth. That is the truth, which is that what people suffer from, you find the thing trying to attack the children as well. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And that's why we say some things are in the family. In the family. It is because curses are not satisfied with one generation. You know, they want to make their home in that place. As long as there are people, it wants to go down and down and down for as many people as it can reach. But the blood of Jesus is setting you free from every curse. Amen. Amen. Then it says the reason verse 47, because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. So you trade joyful serving of the Lord and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. So you should rather expect do you understand? Expect to be blessed. Expect to have two, three, four. Don't be surprised. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, whatever it is, expect to have two, three, four. An abundance of all things. If it's a thing, you are supposed to have more than one. <laughs> yes, you're supposed to have more than one. Abundance of all things. I mean, if your Bible says otherwise, feel free and stand up, raise your hand, and um, I'll give you the microphone to preach it. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Asabia. Asabia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> John Jack is prophesying. Asabia John Jack says you should expect one more. Why don't you say the same? Say same to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But expect an abundance of all things. And do not feel guilty about it. Rather, look for opportunities to share. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yesterday I was chatting with someone 
and I was telling the person, no, that, 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 there are things to do with money. You get it? There are a whole lot of people for whom a little money that you don't think much of can make a world of difference for. Yes. Do you see? So don't be ashamed of having more money. You get it? Don't be ashamed of it. Just have more money. You get it? But just recognize the reality of the fact that, you know, there's not a whole lot that you can use even for yourself. And also, it is not everything you have that should just remain with you. Sometimes God is just using you as a channel to reach others. God is just utilizing your connection or your access to certain people so that he can be a blessing to those people. And you are the one who is an access point to that person. Do you get it? So if you keep trapping the things for yourself as uh, a selfish person who is always just thinking only about yourself, then God is going to treat you like the way you treat your sink that is blocked. How do you treat the sink that is blocked? (laughs) Yeah, first of all, you stop pouring into it. You stop pouring into it. Yeah, then you find some Drano. (laughs) May God not apply Drano into your life to force the things to move. Hey! Are you hearing what I'm saying? So try to be a natural flowing person. And a sink that continues to flow never lacks water. It's always, you know, as long as you keep passing it on. The water will keep coming. It will keep coming. It will keep coming. You will never lack in the name of Jesus. So become a giver. Let's say we are building a church. And we are finishing our building this, this Christmas. That's our present to the Lord. Amen. Yeah. So if you haven't given or if you haven't given again, you should prepare to give again. Amen. LP Michelle, you have to go to people individually and say, give me. And, 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 and ask them, do you want to give me or do you want me to take? <laughs> do you see? Amen. But let's do it. When there's an opportunity to give, always add yourself. Give something by all means. Be represented in the basket that will be blessed. You, you must have a share in it. Even if it is small, be, make sure that your name is in there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because it will make a big difference when God rewards that you have a share. And that will be a blessing. So always think of having abundance so that you can share and give to others. Can I have an amen? amen. Right. So that was just a side Um, something hallelujah yes so back to David he had plenty full of riches and he was full of honor as well and Solomon his son reigned in his stead amen now last week we talked about uh, some of the the principles 
um, stale, okay? And I think last Sunday was when we talked about the principle, was it not violating fathers or allowing God to work things out, right? That was chapter five. Allowing God to work things out, isn't it? Then number two, the next one was the principle of not allowing rebels into your life. Amen. Because when you bring wrong people into your life, when you attach yourself to wrong people, you don't have to do what they did to experience what they have to experience. Do do, do, do you understand? Yes. You don't have to do what they did, but you just have to be with them. And then their curses become your curses because you keep company with people who are cursed. Do you see? Yeah. And there are clear things in the Bible that lead to curses. Like an example is what we just read. It says a lot of curses will come upon you and overtake you because you didn't serve the Lord joyfully and you didn't serve him with gladness for the abundance of all things. So you find somebody who's serving the Lord by his full of complaining and, and nagging and just criticizing. And that person is not joyfully serving the Lord. You shouldn't keep company with such people. Remember last week we read Paul said you shouldn't keep company with certain people. One of those is people who don't keep the tradition that has been taught. <laughs> Amen. Yes, people who don't follow the culture that has been established. Based on the word of God, of course. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. So, it's important not to allow rebels into your life. Otherwise, they will bring their curses into your life as well. Amen. God doesn't like rebels. And when Lucifer rebelled in heaven, he threw him out. I mean, literally, out. (laughs) I mean, out. he sucked him from heaven. Hey! He actually sucked him. <laughs> you get it? Yes. And he sucked him, the Bible says, with a third of the angels. There were angels and they were sucked. <laughs> I tell you, God does not suffer rebels gladly. Do you get it? And he sent them away. So, you must also send rebels away. Amen. Amen. Next one is the principle of being led by the Spirit. Not being presumptuous. Amen. Amen. You must always be searching your heart and searching your spirit to see what God is saying about what you're doing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, there are some of us who sometimes hide things because we know if we say it, we will know what the answer will be. Do, 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 do you get it? Yeah? I know if I bring it up, this is what they will say. Or this is what the word of God says about it. So I will not say it. Well, the fact that you don't say it does not change its status. <laughs> you get it? To say it is just to make it known. You see, but it doesn't change its nature. It's not saying it that makes it good or bad. (laughs) 
Saying it does not change it at all. It just publicizes it. Do you get it? But while it remains a secret with you, wrong will still be wrong. (laughs) You get it? And what you reap for doing wrong is based on doing wrong. It's not based on saying it. Does it make sense? Yeah. So, we need to be careful. Allow yourself to be led by the spirit and not led by the flesh. That's why you need to cross check because that when sometimes when the flesh badly wants something, you know, it feels like it's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Do you see when you read the book The Art of Hearing, which is another one of our wonderful books in the church, The Art of Hearing talks about, there's a part that talks about the 12 kinds of voices, you know, and you see that there are different voices. There are things that we hear that we feel strongly about, but that voice is not necessarily the spirit of God. You see, now David was one not to take chances with these things, and he always inquired of the Lord. He would always inquire of the Lord. He would always take some time to pray about something before he did it. Do you get it? And that's something that we must learn from him. Then the last one we did last week was the principle of having a pastor, isn't it? Having someone who speaks into your life. You know, having someone who is not afraid of you. Do, do you get it? Yeah. You should ask your pastor, are you afraid of me? <laughs> if he says yes, say thank you. Find another church. <laughs> because it's not good for you that your pastor is afraid of you. Do you see that your pastor is afraid that um, if he says this to you, you will leave the church? <laughs> or that your pastor is afraid that if you say this to him, you will not send him a birthday card? <laughs> do you see (laughs) or you will not give him a gift (laughs) no you shouldn't have a pastor who is so gift oriented that he is afraid to tell you the truth because that makes him useless to you do you get it And it's unprofitable for you. Amen. Because one of the reasons that God gives us leaders is for our profit. Do you see? So if you read Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 17. It says, obey them that have the rule over you. Can you see that? Obey them that have the rule over you and do what? Submit Submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. Can you see that? That they may do it with what? Joy and not with what? Grief for that is unprofitable not for the pastor but for you. (laughs) Do you see? 
So it is unprofitable for you to have a pastor um, that you don't submit to or a pastor who leads you with grief <laughs> or who is afraid of you. <laughs> Are you getting the picture? Yes. And you can see right there that the Bible says they watch for your souls as they that must give account. So you ask, what right has the power uh, the pastor to ask me such and such a question? What right? It's personal. It's my life. I can do with it. What? Well, if the pastor is going to give account, then he has a right to ask you that question. <laughs> Are you getting the picture? So this is where his authority comes from. You see, and if I'm going to have to account for it, then I have a right to know anything about it. Or what do you think? Yes, you have a right to know anything about it because you're going to account for it. Do you see? Yes, you have a right. Someone gives you a bag or a package and says, put this in your bag for me. You need to be able to ask, <laughs> what is in it? Yeah. Why? Because from here on, I'm responsible for it. And I'm going to have to give account for it. So I need to know what it is. Yes. So it says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch over your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. Amen. Amen. So remember that you're going to be accounted for by your pastor. Amen. Amen. And therefore, we need to take responsibility for you in a proper way. And that is why your pastor would want to uh, interact with you in, 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 in a certain way would want to know certain things, would want to share certain things, you know. After all, when the problem comes, the pastor will come in anyway. <laughs> Isn't it? So just bring him in a little earlier. A little earlier, you get it. Yeah. Just to maybe guide a little bit. And perhaps, because the Bible says they feed us with what? Knowledge and understanding. And therefore, with some knowledge and some understanding, perhaps we may not run into certain problems. What do you think? Yes, yes we may not run into certain troubles. Why? One of the reasons why God's people perish is the lack of knowledge. And if a pastor is the source of that knowledge, then it means that one of the reasons why God's people perish is the absence of a pastor's voice in their lives. Pastor Charles, does it make sense? Yes. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In fact, so much so, look, to, look at Hosea. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. It says that my people, my people, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Do you see? Then he says, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee that thou be no priest unto me. 
So God is firing the priest for being without knowledge. <laughs> because a priest is supposed to be a repository of knowledge for God's people. And God knows what it is like for his people to be without knowledge. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's why I hired you. So if you are not going to be a source of knowledge for my people, then out you go. I will reject you for being a priest. Thou shalt be no priest unto me. No. <laughs> is it in your Bible? Or is it in the one I brought? Yeah. Leah, is it in your Bible? Read it, let me hear you. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, uh -huh. I also reject I, you. I also what? Reject you. Reject you. As my priest. As my priest. Because you have ignored the law of your God. Because you have ignored the knowledge of God. Wow. So he said, I'll give you priests according to my heart who will give, feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so any pastor who is not feeding with knowledge and understanding, who is just stirring up your emotions and who is just taking advantage of you, you know, God says, listen, you're fired. <laughs> you're fired. You, you will no longer be my priest because my people are being destroyed because they don't have knowledge. That's why I hire a priest and I take a priest to minister to them. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. yes. So, that is the purpose of a pastor. A source of knowledge so that God's people will not be destroyed. So their lives will not be destroyed. Their relationships with the Lord will not be destroyed. Their relationships with one another will not be destroyed. They will not destroy their ministries. They will not destroy their marriages. They will not ruin the lives of their children. They will not destroy themselves by taking the wrong counsel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. So that calls for trusting your pastor. Amen. And yes... It is true that some people, some pastors do take advantage of their members and their flock and so on. And some pastors are not even pastors at all. Do you see? All of those things are true. But you have to learn not to let the whole be defined by the small part that does not live up to it's expectation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. You should not do that. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. The fact that they are fake pastors rather is proof that they are true pastors. <laughs> because fake doesn't exist when there's no truth. Isn't it? Yes. That's why you don't have fake $3 bills. Because there's no real $3 bill. But there are lots of fake $100 bills because it exists. 
One day I took some money to the bank, you know, and then um, the lady checked the money and checked the money and then she came up with one note and she said, this note is fake. I said, oh. And you know, when they do that, they take the money, they take the note from you and then they take your ID and everything and then they don't give it back to you. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's like you've lost it, you know. Yeah, so I lost a hundred dollars that way, but I've forgiven that bank. Do <laughs> you see? Yeah, but you see that the fake needs the real to define itself. To even come up with a mode of operation, you need to copy. It needs to spring off from the real. That's how you get the fake. So anytime you encounter the fake, start looking for the real because it won't be too far away. Amen. So there may be fake pastors. There may be people who are not called, who are claiming to be called. There may be people who are, you know, masquerading around as pastors who are not pastors. There may be wolves who are just moving around trying to be predators on God's people. But don't let that guide you. Do you get it? Don't let that guide you. Don't let that be your primary um, um, preoccupation, you know, which is that every pastor is fake. No, not every pastor is fake. There are genuine pastors. There are genuine pastors, people whose heartbeat is the flock of God. People who can't even sleep because of the people of God. People who will go to any place to do something for a child of God. People who pray for God's people. People who cry when God's people are crying. People who feel a burden when God's people have a burden. People who even feel sick. Apostle Paul said, who is sick and I'm not sick? He says, who is hurting and I'm not hurting? You know, it's like the the connection and the bond is so strong. Because, you know, it is actually God working through the person to look after the sheep. And many times, the feelings of the pastor reflect the feelings of God towards the flock. So the feelings of pity, the feelings of mercy, as well as the feelings of judgment. Do you see? Yeah. So everybody needs someone like that. Everybody needs a pastor. You need someone who can speak into your life. Amen. Amen. Someone who can speak to your wife, speak to your husband, even speak to your children. You need someone who can speak into your life. Amen. Amen. And so I pray that God will give you one in Jesus' name. Say amen. amen. Then the next one is... The principle of admitting mistakes quickly. (laughs) Being quick to see and admit mistakes. Amen. Amen. Being quick to see and admit mistakes. Hallelujah. Now, we can see clearly that In spite of David being called a man after God's own heart, David was far from being perfect. 
Amen. Amen. And that should be an encouragement that it doesn't take perfection to please God. Hallelujah. There are many of us, the devil tries to destroy your standing with God. Your faith that God will hear you even when you pray. So when you stand before God to pray, even a little confidence that you can have, you see, he destroys it. (laughs) And then you pray without faith. And when you pray without faith, the Bible says, let not that man think that he will receive anything from God. God is most attracted to the faith of people when they come to him. Do you see? So it's important that we come. The Bible says we must come boldly. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, it says that we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched by uh, the feelings of our infirmities. Put it up. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, let us therefore, or let's read 15, 15 first. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Do you see? But was in all points tempted like us we are, and yet without sin. I mean, this is a really cool verse. It says that we don't have a high priest who is so high and mighty, you know, that he cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, our weaknesses. Do you see? But rather, he was in all points tempted like us we are. So it means what it means. Do, 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 do you understand? Yes. Hey, pastor, so you mean, was Jesus tempted to commit fornication? You answer it yourself. You, 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 you answer it yourself. Or go and ask John Jack after the service. Yeah, maybe you should ask John Jack after the service. That what does this verse mean? Is fornication a point? (laughs) Is it a point? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Do you see? Yeah. So he was in all points tempted like us we are. And yet without sin. So he's a master and has mastered what for you now represents a temptation. Do you get it? And if Jesus didn't go down with the temptation, then you ain't going down with that temptation in the name of Jesus. Amen. You must tell yourself, if Jesus didn't go down with depression, I am not going down with depression in the name of Jesus Christ. Because he was tempted in the, at that point. And he did not yield to it. I mean, we saw it. Jesus was tempted even with food. You get it? So it means that your temptations with food can also be overcome. Yet, the devil said, eat, eat, eat. Eat, eat, eat. If you don't eat, you will die. (laughs) You get it? And then Jesus had to come up and say, listen, man shall not live by food alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He overcame it. He did not sin. So you can also overcome it. 
He says, we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, and yet without sin. So, verse 16, let us therefore, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly. Do you see? Let us therefore, therefore means let us because of that, because our high priest has feelings. Do you get it? And our high priest has been through it before. And our high priest, when he went through it, he overcame it. You get it? So let us therefore come boldly. Not come crawling, spying, (laughs) checking, tiptoeing, and seeing if Jesus just might. (laughs) You know, that's for naughty boys. (laughs) Naughty boys cannot go home boldly. (laughs) Because they know what they have done. Do you get it? So, they would peep. They would check. They would see if daddy's car is outside. You know, and try to see if there's a way to sneak into the house. Do you see? But Jesus said, come through the front door. Knock. Yes, you did it. Yes, you did it. But come and knock on the front door. Do you understand? Come boldly unto the throne of grace that you may obtain. What is the first thing? When you arrive at the throne of grace, what will you obtain first? Mercy. 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 And find grace to help. You must have a problem. That's why you must need help. Do you get it? And God says, when you come boldly, I'll help you. I'll help you. You will find help in time of need. Hallelujah. So God wants us to come boldly. Amen. Now, David was quick to accept and acknowledge. I mean, see that he did have a problem. Do you get it? The Bible is full of people who made mistakes from Adam all the way down, Peter. Everybody made mistakes. Abraham, Jacob, you know, you just have to start reading about someone and then his mistake is right there. You get it. That is why you shouldn't be worried too much when your mistakes are being talked about. Do do you get it? Yes. Some of us get so, so defensive. Do you get it? As though our reputation of being good is being damaged so much by that little blemish. And so we feel an obligation to fight, to defend that good reputation. You see? But that's not who we are. We are not like we are not like good people who are trying not to be bad. <laughs> Do you understand that? <laughs> we are rather the opposite. People who have been conceived conceived in sin. In sin did my mother conceive conceive me. In sin. That's 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 the juice from which you know, and, and you know, you shouldn't be surprised if, if, 
Because sometimes you know how you use something, maybe a white cloth to wipe something, some cranberry juice or something like that. And after that, you wash it and you wash it and you can see traces of pinkiness <laughs> on the white towel. You get it? Yes. Now, we have to remember that our nature, this flesh that we live in, that is what it responds to. So we are more like people who are bad and trying to do a little good. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, than the opposite. You know, Apostle Paul said, in me dwelleth no good thing. And yesterday I had prophet quoting a verse. He was saying that, look, the good that I wish to do, I, I, I cannot do it. But rather the evil that I wish not to do, that is what I do. Yeah. Oh, wretched man that I am. He said, who shall, who shall I, or who shall save me from this? And this is Romans chapter 7, the last verse. You see that Apostle Paul is not having it easy. And he's fighting on. If Apostle Paul is not finding it easy and he's fighting on, then sister, please fight on. Brother, I think that you should press forward. <laughs> Nothing is happening that is new. Are you getting it? Yeah. He said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. So then with myself, no, okay, come to the verses before you see it. The ones before this one. You see. Come quickly, please. He says, I see another law in my members warring against the law, you know, Romans chapter 7 and verse what? 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. <laughs> How many can relate with that? <laughs> How many would like to sign this one? Put your signature under this one. Who, who would like to put their signature? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, I'll initial it. <laughs> yeah. That which I hate, that I do. Can you switch the version? Switch the version on that one and let's see. He says for, oh, switch the version, please. Okay. I don't really understand myself. Ooh. For what I, I want to do what is right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. <laughs> I'm in love with my enemy. <laughs> I do what I hate. And when you finish, you find yourself hating yourself for doing what you hate. It's not good at all. Do you see? Yes. That's Apostle Paul. So, that's who we are. That is why We are usually very deceived when we think that 
fighting to prove that we are not guilty of this one thing is so important. It's like the devil saying that, you know what? You know, I may have killed a lot of people, but not this one. I did not kill this one. I did not kill this one. I'm telling you, I swear, I did not kill this one. Is that going to make you, okay, then let's change his name from devil or Satan. Let's, let's change his reputation. The devil says he didn't do this one, so let's just change this one. Let's call him angel now. Or let's call him good. No. We don't change so much by being so defensive. I think there's more to be gained from even saying, okay, okay, I did it. Because then you might even be taught something. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yes. You might even have an opportunity for a rebuke, which often goes with a correction. Do you get it? The rebuking is the reprimand that this is wrong. And then the correction is when you are told what is right. Do you see? Yeah. And it might even be a blessing to you. You get it? So we need to be quick to admit wrong. And that's one thing that David had, which Saul did not have. Like, look at First Samuel chapter 15, you know. When Saul made a mistake and he was confronted by his pastor, who was Samuel, you know. Saul argued with the prophet Samuel. He insisted that he had done nothing wrong. Do you see? So first Samuel chapter 15 from verse 19, it says, Samuel also said unto Saul, verse 19, okay, wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil? First Samuel chapter 15 and verse 19. Are you getting anything out of this? All right, verse 18 says that the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against, you see, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord? But didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. <laughs> but the people took the spoil. You know, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Do you, do you, do you see the thing? I mean, the guy, he says, look at the word. The word in verse 18 is utterly destroy. Isn't it? Utterly destroy. You know, utterly destroy. 
you see, the Amalekites. It says, destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until that they be consumed. Verse 19, wherefore then this thou? And then Saul says to Samuel, yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. If you have obeyed the voice of the Lord, then you should also be able to repeat, I have utterly destroyed. Do you see? But look at him. He's saying, utterly destroyed the Amalekites after he has kept some of them alive. Do you see? Yes. He's saying that I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and I've gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, who is the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. You get it. Now we have to define the word utterly. Yeah. And me as a pastor, more than once, I've had to pull out my phone and remove the dictionary so that we can define whatever we are talking about. Because the people wouldn't agree. You see, the person won't agree that this means that. So we have to use English language. Juicy. And pull out the phone and define the word. Now when you define the word, then the person is now trying to find even a way just out of the English definition of the word. You see, that's when you wish you spoke another language. <laughs> you see, so he says, I have utterly destroyed. So many times you see, utterly destroyed doesn't seem to mean the same thing. To the person who has done wrong, as it means, whatever it means to the pastor who is addressing the matter. Do you see? So he says he has utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Then he says, but the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. Do you see? To sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. You know, I mean, now he's brought a whole thing because now, now that he's admitting that some things that should have been destroyed, he's now balancing it with the purpose for which it was kept. I mean, you can see that we are not having an easy meeting here. Prophet says that any meeting that lasts more than five minutes, even we who are reading about it, it's been five minutes already. <laughs> see that the thing is not going in the right direction because he's being so defensive he's being so explanatory and trying to explain and justify what is clearly wrong you are a certain way and you need to admit it it's better to say I am and find out you are not than to say I am not and find out you are are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Because I am drops you onto the floor in humility. Do you get it? Yes. And I've never seen somebody fall off the floor. Have you seen one before? <laughs> Have you seen someone fall off the floor? <laughs> yes. You can't go lower than that. So when you admit and say, I have, 
I did it. I am. You have already dropped to the lowest point. You get it? So you can't fall. There's only a rising waiting for you. That is all. That is all that will happen. Only a rising is waiting for you. And that's what David did. When David was confronted, last week we were talking about David's confrontation, isn't it? And Nathan came to him, verse, okay, 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 9. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse number 9. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? See, the same, the same kind of question. Wherefore, where, wherefore hast thou, wherefore, same kind of question. Then he tells him, thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and hast taken his wife to be thy wife and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Can you see that? Verse next, verse next one. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Can you see that? Next verse. Next verse. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house and I will take thine wives before thine eyes. And give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. Right? Next one. Next one. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. Next one, please. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Can you see that? Don't you even feel like the meeting has ended? (laughs) Whereas in the other meeting, there's serious debate (laughs) going on. The pastor is bringing, you know, dictionaries to come and define what is... (laughs) The meaning of the word utterly. I pray that we will all be like David. Amen. Yes. Pray that God will make you like David. Do you see? Pray that God will help you to see your faults very quickly. And to see that you are not any great person. Do you understand? You shouldn't be surprised if you have a fault. I mean, you shouldn't be surprised because you know yourself. But what it is is that many of us are living under condemnation. Do you understand? Because there is so much condemnation that comes from the devil and his demons and accusation. You get it? That most of us are trying to defend ourselves against those voices. Yeah. Do, do, do you get it? Yes. And so when we come before God and we're being convicted, 
or through a man of God or someone that God has sent to us and the conviction is coming even through preaching in church. Do you get it? You find that we bring that same defense, the defense that we mount against demons and so on. We mount it also against the word of God. It's like you're trying to hold on to something because you are afraid that they will just finish you off if you admit this. Does it make sense? Yeah. So before, because you, your self-esteem itself is really low. Do you, do you understand? Yes, it's really low. So you are trying to be good or you are trying to look good. And now the one thing that you do well, here also it, you are, it's being taken away from you. So you feel like you owe it to yourself to defend it. You see, but you're doing it before the wrong person. Do you understand? You should be doing that when the devil comes after you. To condemn you. Do you get it? Look, look at how Apostle Paul handled his. Go back to uh, Romans chapter 7. You know, Romans chapter 7. Have you found Romans chapter 7? Okay. Now look at, look at Apostle Paul and how he's handling this. We're just about to close. Okay. So just bear with me. Romans chapter 7 and what was the last verse we read? Romans 7 verse 15, isn't it? Okay. So you see Apostle Paul, he's laboring under the same sort of feeling. And he's saying that the things, I feel like I'm a wretched man. You see, I feel like the good things that I want to do, I don't do it. But the evil things, he says um, in verse 16, if I didn't do that which I would not, I consent unto the Lord that is, it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Do, do, do you see the thing? And now, this is the revelation that we all need to have. That sin dwelleth in you. Okay. Do, do, do you get it? We need to have that revelation that pride dwelleth in you. Yeah. You get it? You need to have that re- revelation that arrogance dwelleth in you. Do, 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 do you understand? Yes. He says, for I know that in me, then he explains because some will start arguing. What about that means that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Hey, you see, you, 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 you. <laughs> you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How do you explain that fornication? I mean, I mean, where was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. So, Paul is explaining that, look, when I say in me, I really mean in my flesh. You get it? Yes. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Have you ever taken a shower, you are clean and so on, but you put on old clothes and you start smelling like the clothes? 
and not like the shower. <laughs> That's what happens to believers. <laughs> Do you understand that? You are saved. Your spirit is cleansed. But you still live in those old clothes. So when you come around, the stench we feel is not the, the gel that you use to shower. But the sweat in those clothes. Or the food, the food that you've been cooking in the kitchen. We can smell garlic. We smell smoked fish. We smell omelets. You get it? Yes. And at a point, we even question whether you took a shower. But you did. You did. It's just the jacket. <laughs> or the wig. <laughs> I didn't say that one. Her name is Sister Ivana. In case you're looking for the name. <laughs> right. Do you understand what we are saying? So he says, in me dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. See, the one that took the shower is inside there. He wants the word of God. <laughs> you see, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You see, now we're talking about how Paul handled that condemnation. He said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Then verse 8, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Yeah. Hallelujah. There is no condemnation here. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. The fact that we are addressing an issue does not mean there is condemnation. You are not being condemned. You are not being condemned. It's an issue. It's an issue. And you can see how Paul is able to distinguish between him and him. <laughs> you get it? He is able to distinguish between me I, Paul, the inward man, and I, Paul, the outward man. You get it? And we need to be able to make that clever distinction between you and your issue. And many times, people combine themselves and attach their issues to themselves so much that when you go after the issue, they feel like you're coming after them. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, get the understanding. That's my job. I'm feeding you with knowledge and understanding. That's my job. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, there is you. And then there's what you have done. <laughs> yes. What you have done is wrong. And we need to address that. It doesn't mean that you are condemned. Do you get it? Yes. Doesn't mean that you are condemned. We still like you. We still believe in you. In fact, you are being corrected because there's hope. Do you get it? Yes. You're being corrected because there's hope. The reason why people fix cars that have been in an accident is because there is hope. <laughs> people go to auctions to buy. They say, I like the one that is crashed. <laughs> yes. Why? Because there is hope. They can see that this can be fixed. This, what do I need? Just a fender and a new radiator. I think this thing is going to be back on the road. So sell it to me. I like it. Yes. Do you realize it's crashed? Yes, I know it's crashed, but I like it. Why? Because there is hope. Amen. So correction is to give you a chance. If God wanted to kill David, he would have killed him without involving Nathan. <laughs> He would have finished him. But God wanted to give David a chance to live. That's why he sent Nathan to him. And it must have been the same reason why he sent um, Samuel to Saul. To give him a chance. To give him a chance to live. To give him a chance to say, I'm sorry. To give him a chance to say, you know what? I didn't do right on this one. I didn't do it right. Forgive me. But Saul felt that he had a reputation to maintain, you know. And so he wants to explain to the pastor, you know, I want you to know there's a difference between utter and utterly. <laughs> utter, utterly, utterliest. <laughs> but there are levels of utterness. <laughs> you get it? So it depends on what you mean by utter or Utterly or utterless. <laughs> you see, yes. And then they were going through this thing back and forth. Hallelujah. I, are you getting the point? I think that this should end all arguments. Even between husband and wife. Yeah. Because sometimes the arguments continue because somebody feels that I need to prove that I am the blood bought, blood washed, sanctified. You get it? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You get it? And even if you were right, for how long do you think that will be? You get it? How long do you think that will be? Yeah. You are right and so what? <laughs> you get it? You know that when we put our clothes in the washer, usually they are not covered with stains all through. But we still put them in the washer anyway. The clothes we put in the washer are not all dirty to the same extent. But they all belong in the same place. 
Yeah, there's nothing like, oh, this one. One may have the stain here. Another one may have it here. But, you know, all have sinned <laughs> and fallen short of the glory of wearing it out. Into the washer you go. We all belong in the washer. Even though our stains are not to the same degree or are not in the same place. We all belong and need a wash. Do you see what I'm saying? So we have to stop those arguments. Yes, stop those arguments. Leave that obligation, that strong obligation you feel to yourself that you need to explain. You know, I need to explain. You see, and that's where you offend even more. Because that obligation puts some passion into your speaking. Then your speaking turns into rudeness. You get it? And then your rudeness will attract, you know, a reaction. Yeah. So they says, I'm not having this. Now, what he's not having is the rudeness. You get it? He's not even listening to what you're saying. But it is how you are saying what you are saying to someone like me then you see that his pride also has arisen. <laughs> then you see departments of the flesh that had been closed. They all reopen. <laughs> they all reopen. <laughs> yes. Flesh for flesh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you think you are the only one who lives in the flesh. <laughs> yeah. Do you see? Yeah. And people can take it all the way to, let's put the Bible aside. Let's put the Bible aside. Yes, you are always taking cover under the Bible. Put the Bible aside for once and let's talk. You see, now we've, it's like we've put, taken off our clothes. And we're, we're fighting in front of the house. <laughs> Such craziness that ends up ruining beautiful relationships that God has given us. You know, all because we're trying to prove something that we will never prove enough. The best of us is still dwelling in our sweaty jacket. And it will always affect our lives. Do you understand? So Saul should have just said, you know something? They, uh, you know, I, 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 I didn't try. I didn't try. I see. Which he says later. Yeah. You get it? Later he says, I've sinned. Yeah, he said, I've sinned. But please don't let the people know. That, that this, you get it? Yes. But it was too late. It was too late. And many times, you see, people, people, people argue, argue. I have spoken to many people, maybe not many, just a few people. Uh, one of the common questions I like to ask people who are divorced, I just ask them, if you were faced with the same situation again, would you act the same way? There's only one person who told me, yes, I'll do the same thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But majority of the people, they would often say, oh no. 
She said, now I've grown up. Wow. So you were suffering from immaturity. You get it? Yeah, she says, now I've grown up. Oh, no, now I wouldn't do the same thing again. I wouldn't do it. If I had known what I know today, I would have kept my marriage. I would have stayed together. You know, don't ruin your life and destroy the good things that God has given you. Only to find out later that they were actually good. Do you get it? And immaturity does that. Did I tell you how I bought Zoe um, a CD player yeah, when she was a baby? Yes, she was like um, Kara. Yes. And one day when I came from work, she was dragging it on the floor like that. Just pulling it behind her like a little car, as you see. And just pulling it behind her. The thing, immaturity makes you spoil things. Do you, do, do you get it? Yes. And that's why when you are in a situation and God sends a Nathan to intervene, to speak to you and say, drop the matter, stop it. You need to ride on the maturity that you don't have yet. Do you, do you get it? Yes. It's like you broke down on the side of the road and a tow truck came. Allow yourself to be towed. <laughs> Allow it. Allow yourself, get on the back of the flatbed and allow yourself to be taken where you can't go by yourself. Does it make sense? Yes. So you must allow yourself. So go and apologize. That's being told. You're being put on the flatbed. <laughs> you get it. It's not a place you can go to by yourself, but somebody you respect is telling you go and apologize so you allow yourself to be told on there don't break down so wildly that you can't be told you get it. even the tow truck can't pull you onto that thing hey, what kind of breakdown is that See, I had three points, but I could only talk about one. Yes. You see. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying to you today? So try very hard not to be one of these people who would argue and argue and argue. Do you get it? Yes, failure to admit faults is a manifestation of pride and stubbornness. And the Bible says God resists proud people, isn't it? Yes, God resists proud people and he gives grace to the humble, you see. So one person or someone that you may think has admitted a fault and you may think is down, you'll be surprised that the person is actually on their way up. Why? Because God has seen their humility in admitting whatever they did. And God is going to give him grace. You get it? And you must fear a person who has grace on his side. You must fear someone who has grace working and intervening for him. Which is what the Bible said we'll get. When we come boldly before the throne of grace, you know, the Bible says we will obtain mercy and find grace to help. So grace comes to help. You get it. Look at it. It says, 
No, um, um, okay, he gives grace to the humble. Yes. But what does the grace that is given to the humble do? The grace that is given to the humble, Hebrews 4.16, it says that we may find grace to help. To help. So you see, you can't condemn a humble person for a long time. You may laugh at him, but you will soon see that he is actually on top. You are down. Because he has grace that has come to do what? To help. To help. Grace has come to help him. And whatever the situation is, the grace will take him through. I think that God doesn't like it when we are sinners and we're trying to um, pose as people who are righteous. And, and I think he doesn't like it very much at all. The Bible actually says that if we say we have no sin, you know, we deceive ourselves. First John, First John, let's read that and close with that. First John chapter what? F- one and verse. Okay, let's start from eight. First John chapter one, chapter one, verse eight. First John chapter one and verse eight. First John chapter one and verse eight. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Can you see that? Now this sin is not being written to unbelievers. I hope you understand. <laughs> huh? Okay, let's start verse 1. What's in verse 1? First John 1, 1. What is there? Okay, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, verse 2, for the life, etc., etc., verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So you see that he's talking to a community of believers. Uh-huh. Serious believers. These are not uh, some unbelievers. He has not gone to Skid Row and is trying to have some outreach there. That's, that's not what who is writing to us in verse 4. Verse 4. Verse 4. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full, right? This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, do you see, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So look at it. We are walking in the light as he is in the light means we are walking where he's walking. Do you see? But you can see that even though we are walking where he's walking, we have fellowship with one another, but the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, it's still necessary because our walk in this life will always make us need cleansing from our sins. Does it make sense? Yes. So it's like telling somebody, but you took a shower in the morning. Yes, it's true. But as you've gone out and you've come back, do you get it? The secretions from your body and the sweat and everything will make you need a shower. Do you get it? 
Yes, cleanses us from all sin. Then verse 8 comes and says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, right? Then verse 9, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. You get it? So what he doesn't like is the deception. You get it? Maybe the deception reminds him of Lucifer. Maybe, I don't know. He said that if we said we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We are nearer the father of all lies. You get it? But if we confess it, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But verse 10 is what makes him not like us when we don't admit our faults. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Can you see that? And his word is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. It means he is saying we, are, we have sin. Do you get it? Yes. He's saying his, his position is that there is sin with us. So anytime you come and you come defending yourself and you say, I have no sin. Hey, so am I lying? <laughs> Yes. That's one way to destroy relationships when you make, call someone a liar. It's better. Sometimes when things don't add up, it's it's better to just leave it. Yeah. Because people forget. People, sometimes people's recollection of facts, so many different things. Do you get it? So if you keep pushing, you get it? You keep pushing. Sometimes you see there's a situation, a husband and wife, and then we're just talking. And then, uh, you know, the pastor, there's a, oh, you are lying. You are lying. You are lying. You know, you, you, do, you do that. <laughs> You're going to destroy. <laughs> you say what you remember. And leave the other person to say what he remembers. And whatever the discrepancy is or the difference is, let's just leave it. In any case, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> you get it? It doesn't really matter. It's not something we need to move on. We don't need it. If you will just take the instruction you're being given, that's enough to move on. <laughs> so what we don't remember about the issue, you know, when I was coming, I came first. No, no, no I came first. No, I, it was three o'clock when I came. No, you see, no, I came first. I came first and I saw it and I called him. No, no, no. Hey, listen, I came first. You know, who came first? It's not really. I'm just about to tell you to forgive. That will take us forward. Not who came first. So if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. You get it? So it means God, God has taken a position and he's maintaining it. And every time you say, I have not sinned, then you make him a liar. Do you, do, do you understand? You make, and the Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. So between us and God, the liar is you. 
Anyway, look, preaching has got to end at some point. <laughs> okay. So, let's learn to admit our mistakes and admit it early. I think that after David admitted his thing, there wasn't much, you know, there was the whole thing just. So, Nathan went on, the Lord says this, the Lord says this. He, he just took it coolly. There's, there's nothing to defend here. Because it is what it is. Do you see? Yeah. And I believe that God will see that humility and he will respond to it with help. Amen. 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 You will find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Amen. And you will get supernatural assistance for your life and for your problems. Stand to your feet and let's bring the service to a close. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray, everybody. Let's pray. Close your eyes and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us your word, opening our eyes and feeding our understanding with knowledge. We pray, Lord, that we will be quick to admit quick to admit to see and to admit we pray for humility that helps us to see deliver us from that false sense of righteousness that makes us feel like we have something to defend that makes us feel like we have a reputation to defend we pray deliver us from wanting to look good when we really do not look good. Deliver us from dressing up our debt and our sins and wanting to appear good and shining all the time when all we are is nothing but dust. People who live in the flesh, that's who we are. And in this flesh, dwelleth no good thing says Apostle Paul Lord we belong to the same flesh we carry the same flesh and so we can also say that in our flesh there is nothing good but today we throw ourselves on your mercy yes because you said that if we come to you boldly we will obtain mercy and we will find grace to help in time of need. When it is necessary, when we need it, we will obtain mercy from you. So we ask for mercy for our sins. Mercy for our arguments. Mercy, Lord, for our defenses. Mercy for trying to look good when we don't look good. When we are not good. Mercy, mercy. Let your blood cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Anything that subtracts from our righteousness. Anything that stains our righteousness. We ask Lord that you will cleanse us from it. Cleanse us from it. Cleanse us from it. And we pray 
for the help of the Holy Spirit to bring a conviction of what is right always may we not lose our sensitivity to what he has to say about the issue we pray for humility to admit the voice of the Holy Spirit to accept what he's saying to receive rebuke correction and instruction in righteousness so that we can move on toward perfection and being truly furnished for every good work that you have prepared for us we pray for your blessing Lord in Jesus name we pray now as we close this service this afternoon maybe you're watching or you're listening to the podcast and you know in your heart that you're not saved here is an opportunity to be saved I want to invite you to ask Jesus to come into your heart by joining me in this simple prayer say with me Lord Jesus everybody say it again say Lord Jesus I know I'm a sinner and you died for my sins Please come into my heart. Forgive my sins, Lord. Let your blood wash me. Let your blood cleanse me. And make me a child of God. Lord Jesus, from today, I admit that I'm a sinner. You don't need to say it over and over again. I do not mean to argue with you also, Lord. I know flat out that I'm a sinner. And that you died for my sins. And that only you can save me from my sins. So Lord Jesus, I confess them before you. Please forgive me. Let your blood wash me. And let your blood cleanse me. And make me a child of God. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Please write my name. In your book of life. My name is. And mention your name. Lord write this name. In your book of life. Thank you Jesus. For hearing my prayer. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. Amen. Brothers, sisters, we are one. And our lives have just begun. In the spirit, we are young. And will live forever. Sons of God. Hear His holy word Gather round The table of the Lord Eat His body Drink His blood And we'll sing a song of love Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah Shout together, shout together to.
to join the prophet as we have communion. Do we have communion with the prophet today? All right. So, yes. All right. Let's do it. All right. Take out your communion uh, and then. May the Lord bless you and heal you through this Holy Communion. In Jesus' name. The body of Jesus broken so that you not be broken. In Jesus' name. And the blood Today the blood Lift your hands like this Remember Jesus was nailed In his hands And blood came out Why? The blood that Jesus shed That came for his hands was to Bless the work of your hands Your work In this life Is cleansed And blessed by the blessing that comes from the blood. Father, let the blood of Jesus touch every hand, even as yes. the blood came out of your hands. For our Thank you that our hands are blessed hands, and everything that we touch and we get involved with will be blessed. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Lift your hands for your blessing. May the Lord bless you. Lord increase you your church your ministry your life, your business whatever concerns you may the blessing of the Lord that has come on your hands because of the blood may your hands be blessed and your work be blessed if the Lord does not bless you who can bless you May your ministry see great increase, great blessing. Whatever time of the day you are watching this, may you experience great blessings of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, the blood that came from the feet, may every journey that your feet take, every place that you put your, the sole of your foot on, be blessed. Be blessed, be healed, and be cleansed. You no more go to places to sin because of today's blessing. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And these hands will no more be used to sin and to do evil. May this blessing rest upon you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord bless you and the Lord help you. Live long. Amen. Survive every test. Yes. Come Lord. out shining. Amen. For the glory of God. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Now. This is the Lord's doing. This is the Lord's doing.
smile.